following is a presentation of Bridges Community Church. Our teacher today is Pastor Ron King. For more information on Bridges Community Church, visit us online at www.bridgescc.org. Here's the thing about this morning. We have this moment, this uh, brief time in our life this week to gather together as a community and to listen. And um, it's hard. It's hard to listen sometimes to the Lord, isn't it, Tim? You know what I'm saying? Uh, just when he wants to speak, longs to speak to us, there's a mystery here, isn't there? That the Lord God of heaven and earth would stoop down and speak directly to me and to you. That's what God's word says, that, that he loves to do this. And yet, um, in our own conceit, we'll treat it like um, sometimes some of your kids, never my kids, of course, but they, they selective listen, right? They only listen to what they want to hear, and the rest is blah, 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 blah. Or we'll imagine that, no, 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 I've got this, I've got this better way than what the Lord God, my creator, has for me. The word we're about to dig into is really significant for us. And it's God's words, not my own. And I just invite you to listen and then to respond in the way that God would call you to respond to his word. That's his invitation to you and to me this morning. And I want, to know, I want you to know that this is not easy. They're hard, challenging words we're about to plow into and so you're going to easily have your defenses up and to say, no, no, that's not me. That's, you know, the person sitting next to me, obviously, but not me. And just invite you to invite the Lord in, to listen carefully, to process what he has to say to you and to embrace it and to live for what God wants you to hear. This week is in Romans chapter 3, verses 9 through 20. Would you turn your Bible open to Romans 3? verses 9 through 20, and let's dig into God's voice to us this morning. Now, the reason why, if you've missed this, why it's so difficult, why it's hard, it's even bitter, is because this truth has been taught through the first few chapters and keeps getting taught that before a holy and a perfect God, I and you and every person ever created that we've sinned. Not only that, but we still sin. Yesterday I sinned. I, I missed God's best for me, and I, I did stuff out of my own willfulness. I, I violated his commands, both in deed and in non-deed. And I am unable to do anything about it. That's the hard thing for us to accept, because we love to feel like we can make it up on our own. Listen to the words of Romans chapter 3, starting in verse 9. If you have a Bible, if you don't have a Bible, then there's some provided for you. Perhaps a friend who brought you and has theirs, or you've got it on your phone or iPad or whatever other device you might have brought. Romans 3. What then? Are we Jews any better off? Now, here's the context if you've missed it. Paul has walked through a series of people groups. 
and addressing their own sinfulness, their own shortcomings before God, a holy God. And some of us really are just so walled up with our defenses and our avoidances and all this baggage that we carry before God. We can't really look clearly into who we are before God. We want so badly to think that we're better than we really are. And so we come up with all this set of excuses and justifications. And this people group specifically, Paul has addressed to say, you're no different than anybody else. You're in the same boat with all of humanity. Are you any better off? No, not at all. For we have already charged that all, both Jews and Greeks, are under sin. You are in a place, the same place. You are under the weight, the pressures of sin itself. As it is written, none is righteous, no, not one. No one understands, no one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. Their throat is an open grave. They use their tongues to deceive The venom of asps is under their lips. Their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. In their path are ruin and misery. In the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be stopped and the whole world may be held accountable to God. For by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes the knowledge of sin. Now, Paul has been in this series from chapter 1, really the middle of chapter 1, starting in verse 18, all the way through here, we find ourselves in Romans chapter 3, addressing who we are, truly who we are before God. And He gives us a word picture. Verse 9, the very beginning of this passage that we're looking at, is a concluding statement from 118 all the way to here. It kind of sums it all up. Whether Whatever culture you are, whatever background you come from, whatever religion you come from, whatever whatever you are or your background or set of excuses are, you are under sin. That word picture that he gives actually is a word picture that denotes slavery. You are sin's slave in the, in the original language. That, that's your condition before you are held, degraded, captive by sin itself. Your own denial of what's best for you, your own walking away from God, your own brokenness. You are held inescapably captive as a prisoner of sin. Now, challenge for us when we read and hear something like that is that we don't experience on a daily basis the knowledge of what slavery was like in that first century. Um, For those that Paul is writing to, this original word, they were very familiar with it because they lived in a culture that accepted slavery, its degradation, the horrors of it, the painfulness, the hopelessness, of slavery, But for us, the words that Paul is speaking of probably don't have quite the punch that Scripture is giving here because we are sin's slave is what he's saying. You're under the weight of it. You're its prisoner. You're in slavery and bondage to it. 
I just have this deep appreciation for a movement that's going on in our world today. For those believers and non-believers alike who have looked around in our world and said, you know what? Slavery still exists. Human bondage, human suffering under the evils, the horrors of slavery, it's still here. And to help you understand the force of what Paul is saying here, we have a brief video to underscore that, that human trafficking, human slavery is an affront to a holy God who is love and created people. And it still exists. So we want you to capture, not to sensationalize it, but to capture the force of what's happening in our world and to understand the metaphor that Paul is using here in the text. So here's a brief video. Now, I esteem highly the indent movement because it speaks to this human travesty and tragedy that is existing in our world today. But there is a greater tragedy, a a greater sorrow, I believe, in front of a holy God who has made us, who loved us. This tragedy of human slavery, it exists today domestically. It exists in our city today. And as followers of Jesus, lovers of him, followers of him, we have to join in that movement to declare the freedom of people and to protect them, care for them. But there is this greater tragedy, and that is that every human soul is degraded and debased by our slavery of sin. And if we do not address that first, there will be no freedom. For any person at any time, we have to address our slavery. And that's what the first several chapters of Romans has been leading us toward, that people in their souls, because of their own action and inaction and words and deeds, have chosen slavery and captivity that are under sin, the weight and prisoner of sin. And that's what verse 9 is pointing us to, that we are held captive And we, above all things, need rescue. And you can't rescue yourself. Because the slavery of sin is inescapable for every person unless you have a Savior. Unless you have one that can rescue you, we need rescue. And our deceptive human minds, we come to believe that that we're not really truly in slavery. Or that our slavery is not as bad as it really, really, truly is before God. That sin doesn't have the weight or the effect that it really does. But that's what this passage is addressing once more as Paul writes it out to help us understand it. And it gives a series of Old Testament quotes following verse 9. Do you see them? To declare this really hard truth for us to acknowledge. It's difficult and bitter for us to swallow, that we are bad to the bone. Here's what the scripture says, Romans chapter 3. None is righteous, no, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. What? Wait, I've done some really good things in my life. Things are actually pretty righteous, aren't they? And how can... It possibly say that no one seeks for God. There's been times in my life where I really have honestly sought God. I've, I've tried to seek God. These are big picture statements. And Paul is actually quoting from Old Testament scripture. 
here in Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 2, and Psalm, and Psalm 14, and Psalm 53, that no one is righteous, not one person who's ever existed on the face of the earth can stand before a holy and fully righteous God and say, wait a second, I'm righteous too. Not one person can say that with honesty. Not if you're authentic. Not if you're really, truly honest before God. You, you can't say that. And you haven't really sought for God. You know what you've sought? Yourself. You've sought, I've sought my own pleasure, my own desires, my own way. That's what this is saying. No, that actually is not. You have not sought after God. No one has. Not one person can give that justification before a holy God. So just don't. Stop that. It doesn't work. And then this really hard statement in verse 12. All have turned aside. Now, when we're really honest with each other and before God, we, we can all say, yeah, there have been times where I haven't fully walked after God's straight and narrow. Right? I don't think anybody here would have the call or audacity to stand up. Wait, Ron, I really have. Every moment of my life, I've done everything right and pure and holy. Not one person would say that. So we could say, all have turned aside. And then, listen to this. Together, all together, they have become really good. Really, you're actually, you're pretty good. You're nice, you're great, you're good looking, you've got a lot of smarts, you do a lot of good things. Now, why would the word say that you are worthless? That's harsh and bitter, isn't it? Isn't it? It's, it's harsh to hear this. How have I lost my worth? Listen, my, my worth, according to God's word, is found in my identity in Christ. How God, a creative God, has made me in his image. Good and right. And yet I've degraded that and I've turned aside. And in doing so, I have lost my worth. I've become a prisoner. I've become an enemy of God. I've lost the most significant thing in my life, my worth. And I've done that intentionally. Yeah, sure, I can make all kinds of justifications for that, but I've, I've lost that. Now, listen, this is hard words, isn't it? It's, it's challenging to hear that, and you won't hear that in a lot. What Paul is preaching here, you will not hear in other worldviews, other philosophies, or major religions. They won't teach you this. They won't say it because they'd rather be comfort food for you. But this word is not comfortable. It's uncomfortable. But unless you face who you are truly, Authentic, your authentic self before God, you won't get it. You won't get his plan, how good his plan is for you, how deeply you are loved before him. No one does good, not even one. Their throat is an open grave. They use their tongues to deceive. The venom of asps is under their lips. That's, that's a pretty powerful metaphor, right? Our, our tongues are poisonous. They kill their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. Well, really not, really. Except maybe when I was on the way here and somebody cut me off and then something slipped. But it's not a big deal, right? Their feet are swift to shed blood. Wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. I, I, this isn't the last time. I, I've never murdered someone or really. Their 
paths of ruin and misery and the way of peace they haven't known. There's no fear of God before their eyes. Now, he is quoting a series of Old Testament scriptures to help us understand our real, authentic condition before God. Psalms 5, 9 and, Isaiah, and Psalm 143. I've given you some of those scriptures there in your bulletin to look at afterwards. Isaiah 59 and Proverbs 1 and Psalm 36. He's interestingly using these scriptures to help us understand something. He, he gives a, a series of verses that talk about body parts. Do you catch that in the verses? Talks about your lips and your mouth. And what he's saying is from head to toe, you are bad to the bone. Thoroughly, entirely, you're bad. U-G-L-Y, you ain't got no alibi. You're now, I know that you came to church to hear this, right? You want, what you really want is to, hey, you're really, you know what? You're looking good, man. I really like that shirt you're wearing. Man, wow, you're getting a nice haircut. and You like those kind of surface compliments. And I think that's healthy to encourage one another, not to rip on each other. We want to encourage each other. We want you to come here strongly encouraged and challenged for the week. But if they're lies, if they're not true, then that's not helpful. Brothers and sisters, men and women, before God, inside we're decaying. We're dead. We're, we really truly are ugly. It would be more accurate for me to say, hey, Nate, you, you know that you're really ugly, right? I can say that because I love him, he loves me, and, and he's a lot better looking than I am on the outside, right? But the truth of it is, inside, we, this is our condition before God. We're broken, we're imprisoned, sin has wreaked serious damage on us. There's another nuance in the text that, of these quotes that you might not pick up, but most of the quotes that he uses from the Old Testament are used in the Old Testament against the enemies of God, the people who were not walking with God, especially the non-Jews. And so those people who were Jews were thinking, you know what, I'm, I'm actually pretty good. I've done a lot of good things. I've obeyed most of the law. And I, I, and they start justifying themselves, right? Like we all do. And, and start avoiding who they truly are in the searchlight of God's holiness. And they, they don't see God for who he is and his holiness. They, they, they try to make themselves look good. And that falls short because who we really truly are are broken people, damaged goods, slaves to sin, broken by it, degraded by it, ugly because of it. And the nuance there, when he starts using these phrases about enemies, the, the people who are hearing these words, they started getting it because Paul is saying, listen, you've put yourself in this camp. You've tried to justify yourself, but don't do that. You, because of your sinfulness, are an enemy of God. Did you understand that? You've set yourself up against God. And because of it, you are really at risk. And you are enslaved and, and you need rescue. You can't do it yourself. Even if you think you've got a really great pile of good stuff here, that doesn't help. Now, Paul's kind of like a pit bull, isn't he? Like, it just kind of grab hold of your tail and won't let go. Because we heard it first in Romans chapter 1. And all people of all time 
they're broken and they don't have an excuse because God has revealed himself. And then we heard it in the first part of Romans 2 and the second half of Romans 2 and the first part of Romans 3 and again here. And he just won't let go, man. He keeps, he keeps on you. And you don't want to hear it, but it's hard to hear and hear repeatedly. But you know why he keeps at it? Why God keeps this word into speaking into your life? Because we don't listen to it. We want to avoid it. We want to run away from it and do all that we can to deny it. And he keeps after us so that we would face our own true self. You woke up today and you, you looked in the mirror and you thought, yeah, it just needs a little bit of repair. It's not that bad. And, and you came looking and maybe someone complimented you about how good you're looking and you felt pretty good about yourself. Don't. This is what the scripture says. Get a clear picture of who you are before God before you go anywhere else. And it's going to be hard and it's going to be painful and difficult, but the Lord will not let go until you do. And the reason why is because he loves you so deeply. And he has such great aspiration and hope for you that you would know the beauty of freedom and not slavery, that you would enjoy rescue and live in the purpose that he has for you that you would discover the joy of life in Christ. And if you go your own way, you will be ruined. Don't do that, he's saying. Face up to your own sinfulness, even though it's painful and hard. You are addicted to sin. You are imprisoned by it. You are a slave. Why does he keep on this why, why does he keep going on us like a broken record, like a pit bull that won't let go? It's because we forever have a higher opinion of our goodness and the power of our good works than God does. We just think that we're better than we really truly are. And that's reinforced by world's philosophies and by all kinds of world religions. Even some forms of Christianity would pat you on the back and say, no, really, you're a really good person. Of course, it's difficult to face the opposite, isn't it? You know why? Because it doesn't sell. If we only spent time in the first couple chapters of Romans and never got to what we're going to get to next week, this church would empty sooner or later. It would. People would want to hear this. Every time I keep studying in the book of Romans, you know, for this, I keep thinking, ow, I don't like this. Ow, I'm doing it again. I felt like a masochist in some way. I keep coming back to this word of God, and it keeps convicting and keeps hammering me, and it's hard to hear difficult words about who I truly am before God. It offends me. It's not comfortable. It's harsh. And it's an affront to my pride, too. Isn't it an affront to your pride to hear this stuff that you have sinned and fallen short of God's best for you? And in fact, you're enslaved and you're an enemy of God in your sinfulness without any way of escape. Don't you want to think of yourself as better than that? What happened in the garden? Adam and Eve, it was human pride. That's how the evil one attacked them. It still does, people today. He got at their pride. He still gets at your pride. That's why you have all these denials and excuses and avoidance. That's why I do. That's why we struggle with these words so much in Romans, the first couple chapters. It's just harsh and hard to hear. But there's a great reason why he's doing this. He has to get at our pride. 
He has to get our brokenness and our slavery so that we can be set free, so that we can know how great his plan is for us and how good it is to be the target of God's love and that God did something in human history to address our brokenness and our hard failings. I want to believe that I'm owed a free pass, that uh, God will look at me and say, Ron, you know, yeah, you screwed up a lot, but I still love you, so no big deal. But that's not justice, is it? I want to believe that God loves me more than he'll judge me. We talked about that last week, that God is completely fair. He's a just and holy judge. And he, that's how he will always operate. And every person will stand before God accountable to him. And I want to believe that my sin is not really as destructive as it is. But it is. My selfishness, it eats away at my marriage and my relationship with my kids. My, my failings, my brokenness, it, it damages so much. And that's why I need rescue. That's why I, I am so dependent on the goodness and grace of God for my life. Here's the message. It's a hard one. I'm a slave. You're a slave. Romans 3, 19 through 20 kind of piles on a little bit, doesn't it? It says, the law condemns me as well. And I'm stripped away naked. I stand before God. And when I get there, I'm not going to say, yeah, but. Actually, when I stand before God, I'm going to be silent. I won't have anything to say before a holy, majestic God. When the kids came home, and um, they were excited about their science class, which is cool, right? And it was telling us about, my wife and I, about this little experiment. And um, had a little strawberry. Don't know if you know this experiment. And so, so this is the experiment. Uh, this is Bruce. Actually, let me put it this way, because Bruce is pretty buff. There you go. So <laughs> this is Bruce right here. And um, it looks whole, right? But actually... According to God's word, Bruce is broken. And then Romans 1 comes and helps Bruce understand his condition before God. And in Romans 1, it says, did you see outside today? Did you see how great and beautiful the creation was? That outside declares the glory of God. Look at the hills. They're green. It's a beautiful day out. It's great. It declares that God exists. If you missed that, you were driving sleep on the way here. Because God exists, and not only that, but it declares his goodness. That's Romans chapter 1. And that no person has an excuse. Because God has declared himself, and he is good. And then there's another little part to this experiment. It's Palm Olive. It's nice for your hands, right? It's supple. Actually, I was at the store getting this, and I noticed that there are all kinds of brands of dish soap, a bunch of different ones. I know this. My wife usually gets the dish soap. But um, <clears throat> there's Joy as one of the brands, and it says Ultra Joy. What's that about? I don't know. So 
there's, there's hope. And here's, this is what happens in Romans chapter 2. That's just, it's not just about the natural expression of creation, but I have written something on everybody's heart. It's called the moral law. And that moral law is the knowledge of what God wants from me and my resistance against it. My conscience itself declares that, that I'm not right. I'm not, I'm not healthy. I'm right. And his purity invades my life and it starts to strip me down. Gives me an understanding of who he is. And then Paul says in Romans chapter 3, that's not, that's not all. Not only has God revealed himself by what's out in creation, and not only has he given us his moral law, but he's also written in his word, which is absolutely pure. And, and as he's poured his purity in my life, that interacts with those other things to help me understand who I am before God. And then Paul gets to this portion of Romans chapter 3, and he just reminds us again, like pouring salt into a wound. He just keeps at it. Now, this is not going to explode. Don't worry about that if you're in the first round. But if we had a powerful microscope, and if we let this sit for a while, this solution will strip down this strawberry. And what it does is you'll be able to actually look at a strand in this strawberry and, and see its real true DNA. If you had a powerful enough microscope, that's what this would do. And that's exactly what's happening in these chapters of Romans. One by one, Paul is taking care of our pretenses and our excuses and is stripping us down so that we would see ourselves before a majestic, holy God, that we would understand our true condition is one of slavery. No one wants to be a slave here, right? If you would answer yes to that, you have no idea how much pain, how degrading slavery is. And yet, that is what sin does to me. It diminishes me, it degrades me, it wounds me, it kills me eventually. And that's the image that I'm given here. Apparently, I'm going bald. Now, I know that might be news or not news to some of you. For me, I wake up in the morning, and, um, and I don't see that. It's all good, right? Because all I see is this. I'm not really tall, and we don't have a mirror that's like right, shining right up here. But I have two boys, and virtually every day of my life, they come by, and they rub the lucky bald spot, right? And they, they make some kind of crack about what's happening in my life. And I suppose I, you know, I, I, I guess I am, and it's getting worse, apparently, Every day of my life, I'm, I'm losing hair, more and more of it. By the way, at the end of this serv- in the first service, I heard so many bald jokes. I had a lot of them. And I know that for those of you who share my condition in life, you've heard them too. So um, I, apparently I'm losing hair, and there's some things I suppose I could do about it. I could go out and get, like, medication, Rogaine or whatever it is, which apparently is expensive, and, and it's not going to last that long, right? And people are, or I could spray paint the back of my head black or I could get really crazy and like I saw this guy yesterday at the market and he had a rug and I thought ah, I could never do that just, now if you're wearing one it's cool I'm, I'm not making any comments about that it's just I just thought wow and do you have to get a bigger rug like continually because you keep losing is 
And uh, like if you have hair implants, that's really expensive. But all that's just denying the reality of my condition. My condition is I'm getting worse every day. And I'm growing bald. And I can just, right, Paul, you know what I'm saying. I can just face it, right? Whatever. That's, that's who we are. I can actually look and acknowledge, okay, that, that's who I am. It's okay. God made me that way. And I'm not going to try to, you know, I'm not going to try to do stupid things about it. That's just who I am. And I give my kids a little humor every day, and that's good. And okay, I have to, I have to face that. How much more so, my son? How stupid it would be to, to, for me to live in avoidance and denial or try to do stupid, short-sighted things to cover it up. John, you with me here, buddy? Yeah. Hey, this is just one physical symptom, but the bigger thing that this word is at is right inside of me. What's my real, authentic condition before God? My authentic condition is that I am broken. I am enslaved to my sinfulness. And... Everything strips it away. I'm guilty as charged, guilty as sin. I have nothing to say before a holy God when I'm held accountable. And that's where Romans 3 and our passage today ends. Let me pray. No, I'm not going to do that. Are you kidding me? I, I can't just end it right there with just like the bad news. Because Romans 3 actually continues, and next week we're going to get into this really great passage in, in Romans 3, starting in verse 21. But let me give you just a little preview so you have hope, so you don't live this week just beat up and thrashed and feeling like, oh, wow, I'm glad I went to church today. Let me read this really good word just to preview what we're going to talk about next week. Next week, bring a friend to hear this really good news. But now... The righteousness of God, not my own, not my own works, my own short-sightedness and failures, but God's righteousness, a holy God who is in right relationship at all times. A righteousness of him has been manifested. It's been made known, declared for all to see, apart from the law, that that just convicts me of sin. It just strips me down. But apart from that, though the law and the prophets bear witness to it, all the Old Testament, it all was pointing this one direction, that God had a plan in your worst state to love you and to love Jim, right, Jim? To bless us with his dear overwhelming love and grace. That he would send his own son to die. Um, what an expression of love, right? And, and, and to be a sacrifice, to give his own blood on a cross for Glenn and for me. And to demonstrate it so powerfully, so finely that we might know God's love in our own absolute brokenness and depravity, that, that he would come in and rescue. And I'm in there in that cell, in all of my stripped-down brokenness, finally in that place where I'm crying out for rescue and I have no other place to turn. And I see him at the door of, 
of that prison cell with this key saying, would you like to be free? Would you like to be free? Saying, yeah. And I can say, no, 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 I've got this. No, I'm not really that bad. I know I have no clothes. I have nothing to eat. I'm emaciated. I'm broken. I'm, I, I have no way out. I can say, no, I don't need that. I can do it on my, on my own self. I can become deluded and not think I really am truly in that cell, but I am in that cell. It doesn't change what I, what I think doesn't change. My reality is I'm broken, and there is one way out, one person who holds the key. It's the Lord God of heaven and earth who made me, who gave his son. It has that key in the shape of a cross, ready to release me from my, my brokenness and my sinfulness and set me free to live a life that's right and whole and healthy, pure. But I can't have that unless I face this, my stripped-down true condition, and turn to him and seek him with, by faith in Christ. That's the only way. We get to choose what we want to do with that. That's the good news. The good news is that you can be free through the power of Jesus Christ who died on a cross for you and offers you freedom. Will you come out? And have, if you have already escaped from that cell and you are living as a free woman or a free man, it would be good to remember that really well this week, how good your freedom truly is. Let me pray, if I might, please. Father, I... <clears throat> um, wow, <laughs> this is hard. This is, these are just hard words for us bitter words because we'd rather just sneak away from it and I get it I, I just I don't like to face it but it's true I'm broken and it's true that um, your word teaches very clearly that I'm stripped away before all my excuses and denials and avoidance and now I just sit knowing that I am a slave to my sin and I have no hope except in you except that you would rescue me oh Lord people that came this morning who have yet to embrace grace and um, what you've done for us, I pray you give them the courage and the insight, the wisdom to do that, to know that your plan is good, that who they are is a sinner and a slave, but who they can be is a free person in you because what you've offered through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Bless them with the faith to trust in you and to live for you and the rest of us Help us to revel in grace this week. Amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Bridges Community Church, located in Fremont, California. For more information about Bridges Community Church, please visit us online at www.bridgescc.org.